0: It's that time, the Betting Predators podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at Sleepy underscore pregame. Joined here by the MMA guru, UFC fanatic, Mean Gene. You guys can find him on Twitter as well at MeanGene0022, and you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Gene, here we go. UFC fight night. This one will be at the Apex on Saturday in Las Vegas. Main event. For this one's going to be Marina Rodriguez against Michelle Watterson. We do have some notable names on this card. And uh, Gene and I, we're going to go ahead. We're going to break down five fights for you guys that we think have a little bit of betting value. Gene, I want to go ahead. I want to start out here. It's one of the early fights here. This is the one that I'm probably looking forward to most. Amanda Rebus, she's going to be going against Angela Hill. Rebus going to be around minus 190. Hill, plus 150 if you like the dog. Gene, I'll go ahead. I'll start this one out first. I like Rebus because I think she's hot. And, uh, you know, had I bet her the last time, she would have let me down. Gene, you and I talked about Rebus, you know, after she won her fight in Abu Dhabi early July last year when she beat Paige Van Zant, And I was actually convinced, and you and I had spoke about this, you know, that I felt like a couple more wins under her belt. And the UFC was going to try to make her, you know, one of the faces within the UFC for the females. Well, she ended up faltering against Rodriguez. And we, you know, we, we know Rodriguez is pretty good. I mean, she went through a war with Desparza. Uh, she's going to headline this event here, but my good feeling is like the UFC, they're, they're still trying to go ahead and get Rebus to be, you know, somewhat of a face for the, for the company. And look, Angela Hill, she's no slouch. I know there's a lot of sharp people out there that are going ahead and backing her. And we've seen her fight, you know, really well over her last few fights. And to me, it's just like, she doesn't seem to have that killer instinct And I'm not really sure if Rebus has it either. I think the odds are maybe a little bit long here, Gene, on Rebus. You know, minus 190 seems a little bit steep. I'll probably back her, but my gut feeling is it's going to end up being in a parlay uh, with somebody else later on on this card. So I'll go ahead. I'll back Rebus, but I'll do it in a parlay. I think 190 is a little bit pricey, but there's no way I'm going to bet against her. I just think she's too hot. I think she's too cool. I think she's too good uh, for somebody like Angela Hill. So I'll go ahead. I'll back her. Uh, in the first fight here. How you feeling about Rebus and Hill?
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you on the line. I was surprised that this line opened so high, and it's continued to rise since since the opening. Amanda Rebus is a, is a talented UFC fighter. She was on her rise and stumbled against Rodriguez. Rodriguez, like you said, very good fighter. She's going to be headlining this card, so we'll get an opportunity to see if she continues on that, that trend upward. But Amanda Rebos, in that fight against Rodriguez, was beating her in that first round. She dominated Rodriguez in the first round, was able to take her down and control her and land some strikes. She just got caught in that second round, and she's trying to get better with her striking. She's primarily a grappler, very good Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner. So she's going to look to to get Angela Hill down to the ground and and work her submission games. Angela Hill is a striker. Uh, it's almost like the same type of matchup against the Michelle Rodriguez, except Angela Hill, older fighter, not the best striker, definitely not at Rodriguez's level. So Reba should get the win here. She should be able to to handle Hill's power on, on the feet. And Hill on the ground, she's just not good, to be honest with you. Um, lesser fighters have been been able to take her down. And dominate her. I, I look for reboss to be smart here, avoid Hills striking on the feet. Just get this fight to the ground and, and get the victory. As, as we already said, you know she's one of the better prospects in the strawweight division. I think she realized, like, hey, I was winning my previous fight. I got caught. Let's be smart this time out. Get the win here and just continue to move up the strawweight division. So my pick is Reba's here. Um, I believe she needs to go into a parlay to take her straight. It would be crazy. Yeah, we don't know if that knockout against Rodriguez is going to affect her moving forward in her chin. She has been knocked out before against uh, Viana, and so and and Hills got decent power on the feet. So. I don't want to back her as a one hundred and ninety favorite, so she's more of a parlay piece, in my opinion. But the pick, the straight pick is Amanda Rebos here.
0: All right. Well, I am glad you kind of agree with me on that one. I was worried that you might go against me and actually take Hill. You know, there is a lot of sharp people out there that are going ahead and they're backing Hill. Uh, I won't do that. I've watched her fight; she's been half decent, but for me, um, I just feel like like Rebus is probably the better the better fighter. Let's jump into our next one here. We're gonna have Diego O'Frea. He's going to be plus 150. He's going to be an underdog in this one against Gregor Gillespie. Gillespie's going to be another minus 190 favorite. Here's what I'm going to do, Gene. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play this one to go the distance. My gut feeling says, you know, both of these guys are solid. Both guys are solid on the ground. But I doubt either guy will get, you know, a decent advantage on the ground and force a submission or a stoppage. I feel like the odds are a little bit steep here to probably go ahead and back Gillespie. I figure why lay minus 190 with the fighter who, you know, he's not exactly a lock. And I feel like I could lay minus 210 for this to go the distance. And that just seems like, that seems like the safer bet for me. You know, I I have respect for, you know, Diego Ferreira. I think that he could go out there and win this fight. But my gut feeling is, do I want to back minus 190? Do I want to take plus 150? I just, I feel like it's a little risky for me feel like this one probably goes the distance. Don't have a real strong feeling on this one, but I would probably just play it to go the distance because I feel that that's probably the safest bet. So I'll probably just go ahead and do that. That's probably all I'll do for that fight. What do you got?
1: Yeah, I'm feeling frisky here. I'm actually going to go with Diego Fajeda here. This is going to be a tough fight for him, of course, especially after fighting Benil Darius in his last fight, and he was taken down five times in that fight. So naturally and, and this line kind of confuses me a little bit, but I also do understand because of his previous fight. So in that fight he was on a rise, six or seven fights in a row. He was looking like he was going to crack the top 5 in the lightweight division. He fights Dariush. Dariush is a, is a strong grappler, but even more importantly, he's a very good Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioner, so is Fajeda. And um you felt like the fight would be would be contested on the feet. It wasn't. And and Dariush utilized his grappling and his wrestling and was able to kind of control Fajeda. Now the fight ended in a split decision, so one of the judges had Fajeda winning that fight, and it was very close. I believe I actually took Fajeda in in that matchup as well, so I was on the losing end of that. But it was a a close fight. Fajeda is very good on the ground, and even when Dariush was taking him down, he was looking for Uma Plata, um, he almost finished them there. Uh, a, a couple other submission attempts and um, against lesser fighters or lesser like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioners, which is Conor Gillespie. I feel like those type of fighters would have gotten caught and ended up getting submitted. Dariush didn't. So congrats to him. He he ends up beating Fajeda. But I feel like that one loss is like, that's why he's such a, to me, a big underdog. I feel like this line should be lined a little bit closer. To be honest with you, where more of like a Fajita, maybe a, a plus one twenty-five, plus one thirty, and and Gillespie more of like a minus one sixty, one seventy. I could see, but minus two ten is what I'm seeing at DraftKings. That's a little insane to me. Gillespie, very good wrestler. Um, That's his game. He 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 pressures you. He has great cardio. He's relentless strong body locks, gets you down to the ground, controls you on the ground. He He's very active. He tries to pass your guard, ground and pound. He looks for submissions himself, himself on the ground. But going up against Fajeda, Fajeda's is going to be able to look for submissions and try to lock up you know, triangle chokes, arm bars, leg locks. And I don't think Gillespie's really ready for that. He hasn't fought any competition that's at the level of Fajeda. Um uh, especially in the Brazilian jiu-jitsu side. And um uh, Fajeda on the feet can definitely match Gillespie's pace. He's a pressure fighter. He has great cardio. He's got good power. Um uh, he's a pretty good striker as well. Like whereas Gillespie, his base is wrestling and he's he's transitioning into in, into striking. He's getting better with his striking, but he's not his base is wrestling. Whereas like Fajeda, yeah, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, black belt. But he is a striker, though, at heart as well, and a pretty damn good striker. So, um, man, I I feel like just the value is all on Fajeda here. I couldn't believe it was at 165. Um, Don't get me wrong, Gillespie's very talented, but he's been out for over a year after his head kick loss to Kevin Lee in November of, like, 2019, I think it was. And, uh, you know, the guy... I don't know if this will really be a factor, but he has some mental things going on with him uh, where you you question, does he really love the the sport of MMA? Is he really committed? And um, coming into this fight after a year and a half off, you know, that's just another factor in, in, in me picking Fajeda. I think Fajeda realized, like, man, I was right there, right outside the top five. I slipped up, lost to Dariush, but, man, he's getting right back in there against another ranked opponent in Gillespie. And if he beats Gillespie, man, he's right back up. And that mix in the lightweight division, and given his age, he doesn't have too much time. So I feel like he's going to come in here focused. I feel like he's going to be able to to outstrike Gillespie on the feet. And I wonder if Gillespie, you know, Gillespie has fallen in love with his striking. He's got decent power. I wonder if he's gonna, if if he's gonna be scared of taking Fajita down to the ground, knowing that he might be submitted. So if this is just a purely um, striking affair. I think Fajeda is going to get the better of it. So um, I'm going to go with Diego Fajeda. I feel like the value is on him at plus 165. As for your play, going to a decision, going the distance, I love that play. Both these guys are are super durable. They're tough and they have heart. Uh, they're not just going to give up. So, um, yeah, I, I do like your play or your angle of going with the uh, decision. Me personally, I'm just going to go with Diego Fajeda plus 165. I like the value on that.
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised you ended up taking Fajada either with, you know, with that decent run of price. And that's kind of what scared me with Gillespie was I thought it was just, the odds were just too long. And then, you know, we just talked about, you know, Fajada and Dariush and, you know, speaking to Dariush before we keep going here, you know, next week you and I, we're going to go ahead and preview UFC 262. Dariush is on that card. So that'll be interesting. But that's just kind of what I was thinking. I was like going back with, you know, Fajada losing against Dariush. I'm like, oh, do I want to back the guy who, you know, who lost? And I remember that you had picked him and it, I don't think that that fight was that far was that far off. I thought that that fight was actually pretty close. So um, I figured I'll just do what I feel is, is safe. Um, and I don't I don't have any problem with you going ahead, and taking the dog here uh, because I felt like the line was just, you know, a little bit too high for Gillespie. So um, I like both of those plays. Let's jump into the next one here. We got Jeff Neal. He's going to be another minus minus one ninety favorite. favorite. Uh, Neil will be on the card, he'll be facing him uh Magni right around plus 150. Gene I'll let you go ahead and rip a run on this one. I feel pretty confident in this one but I'm kind of want to know what you think here first because if you're on the opposite side maybe I'll just change my mind and my entire handicap because I don't want to sound kind of stupid with this one. So how are you feeling about Neil and Magni? Talent wise yeah
1: Jeff Neal should be this big of a favorite and after this fight if he ends up getting the win you might look back and be like wow you know he was only a Uh, minus 190 favorite you know he should have been you know much higher 250 260 um, type of range but man Neil Magny is a vet people don't know he's had like over 20 fights in the UFC uh, and he's only you know 33 years old 34 years old it's it's crazy um, how long he's been in the UFC and how many fights he's had so and he's fought the who's who in the division and the UFC at this point right now they're just feeding him you know, up and coming prospects, and Jeff Neal falls into that category. Um, Jeff Neal w- took a big step up in his last fight and fought uh, Stephen Thompson, and just got outclassed. Stephen Thompson is legitimately, you know, top two, top three in the division. Jeff Neal's not not at that point right now, but facing a guy like Magny, I feel like that's a good step back for him. He's going to fight a, a tough guy, uh, a, a vet. Who is who's experienced and can can offer him can offer him different looks. Uh, Neil Magny is he he's going to look to pressure you, get you in the clinch, get you down, um, try to try to wear wear on you, or he can also stand up and try to pick you apart from the outside. In this particular matchup, Jeff Neil, I feel like this is a great matchup for him to to bounce back. Neil Magny's not fast. He's kind of just a good all around solid fighter, whereas Jeff Neal is explosive, ridiculous knockout power, very strong with the grappling, and he's going to look to outpace a Neil Magny. I see this fight going, Jeff Neal knocking out Neil Magny uh, in three rounds. I feel like this is going to be a kind of coming out party for, for Jeff Neal, um, a lot of people obviously know about him. He's a highly ranked prospect in the UFC and in that division. But I feel like coming back after a loss against Wonder Boy to get a knockout victory over over um, Neil Magny will be a huge statement for him. And, and get him back into that mix of like the top, you know, seven, eight fighters in the, in the welterweight division. I, I understand some people taking some sharps taking Neil Magny. I kind of honestly look at this fight like the Amanda Rebos and the Angela Hill fight. It's one of those things where you're like, hey, you have a a highly touted prospect who had a slip up in their previous fight. And you're looking to kind of fade that individual against a crafty vet, someone that's been there who actually has a decent resume. But at the end of the day, I feel like the age, I feel like the power and the skills of of these younger fighters, i.e. Amanda Rebos and... Jeff Neal will end up getting it done. So I got Jeff Neal here. I think he gets it done inside the, the distance with a, uh, a TKO KO over
0: Neil Magny. All right, well, that certainly makes me feel pretty good because I actually think that Neal's going to come into this fight, you know, rather confident. You know, you mentioned the Wonderboy fight, and I think that that actually, you know, that that's a good loss, you know, for his particular resume. But this is actually, this is going to go on his resume, I think, as a really good win for him. If he can go ahead and take out Magny, you know, Magny to me. And I don't know if you agree with me, Gene, but I think he's just Jekyll and Hyde. You never know which Neil Magny's going to go ahead and enter the cage. Now, we've seen, you know, the good Magny, you know, most recently, like he's actually been fighting rather well. But I just wonder, you know, which one comes in here. If it's the good one, I think this fight's close. But if it's the bad one, I don't think this fight's close at all. I think Neil will eventually take him out in some fashion. My thinking is, you know, Magny's kind of starting to tire out a little bit, and Neil, he's just kind of ready to make his mark, you know, within the welterweight division right now. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to parlay Rebus, and I'm going to parlay Neal, uh, both at minus 190. And I'm going to get a parlay here with both of those at pretty much even money. So I'm glad to hear you uh, you like Neil in this one here, Gene. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. Let's jump over to the next one here. We got Cerrone, uh, minus 177. He's going to go up against Murano, plus 145. This one was tough for me. This is probably the toughest of all of them. I feel like I feel like I can't back the dog here. I'm worried that Cerrone is kind of getting up there in age as well. You know, both of these guys have taken their beatings over the last few years. You know, Moreno's coming in here on short notice. And my gut feeling is, you know, Cerrone wants to get a win here at some point. You know, he's. He's lost to some real solid guys, you know, recently, you know, with Pettis, McGregor, Gaethje, Ferguson. It was like, all right, dude, you know, like he needed a drop down in class and then he drops down. He fights Nico Price. I mean, that was just an all out war that ended up in a draw. Cerrone wasn't exactly too happy, you know, with his, you know, with his performance in that fight. He was he was really upset that he didn't go out there and, uh, you know, use his kicking game. And you know he he mentioned that more than a few times, especially on the in the in the post fight conference. Like he was like he had his head down. He was just really upset that you know he felt like he was really in shape. He had a really good camp, and he came in there and he was like, you know, everything I wanted to do. He was like, I just didn't do it. And he credited Nico, you know, for going out there and and making him fight a different style of fight. But I feel like Cerrone comes into this one, he's going to use that kicking game for sure. But I don't know, man. It's he's been through a lot of wars, man. He he's faced. You know, some really tough competition. He hasn't won in, what, now, like five or six fights. I feel like minus 180 on him is just a little bit too pricey. Both of these guys could take a beat, and I just wonder how much Cerrone has left in the tank. Now, Gene, he hasn't said that he wants to retire. He'll probably, you know, go in this fight and and say the same thing. I mean, Cerrone's, you know, he's just one of those grizzled vets that's going to be around for, you know, quite some time. I feel the same way with this fight, you know, like I do with with the Fajada and Gillespie fight, that it's probably going to end up going the distance. I could lay minus 210 on this one. I feel like both of these guys are going to step in there, try to do their thing, but I don't think either guy is going to take each other out. I have a feeling that at the end, they're both going to be standing there. One of them is going to get their hand raised. I don't think there's any way that Cerrone ends up with, you know, two fights in a row that end in a draw. So me, it's to go the distance minus 210. I think this will be a pretty entertaining fight. I'm glad to see Cerrone on the card. You know, just being a fan of the UFC and a fan of him, you know, I hope he ends up getting a win here sooner or later. But, I mean, man, it's it's tough to go ahead and back him, especially at that price, you know, with the results that he's been getting. And if he can't take out somebody like, like Nico Price, you know, you got to wonder what he's going to do here. I was actually hoping that Nico Price and him would actually run it back here uh, rather quickly, so... Uh, I'm actually looking forward to that fight if that fight happens again. I thought that one was awesome, but that's what I'm going to do, Gene. I'm going to go ahead and play this one to go the distance, minus the 210. feel pretty confident in that. What are you thinking about for that fight?
1: So my initial thoughts when when the fight was booked, because um, Diego Sanchez, it was originally supposed to be Cowboy versus Diego Sanchez. Cowboy Cerrone would have destroyed Diego Sanchez. So I'm, this is more competitive fight here against Alex Moreno. So my initial thought was Alex Moreno. You know, jump on him, dog. You know, plus one sixty, plus one seventy. You got Cerrone on a four fight losing streak. You know, hasn't won a fight in his last five fights because of that draw against Nico Price. But after doing some tape study and, and really digging back into it, there's no way I'm taking Alex Morano here um, outside of a, a lucky punch. You know, if if Cerrone's chin is shot for whatever reason, because he's been in some wars and he has been knocked out. Recently, if his chin is truly shot, which I don't think it is, if it is, then Morano has a chance—you know—puncher's chance to knock him out. But Cerrone is just better everywhere. There's just striking; he's light years above Morano. Grappling, light years above Morano. There's just no aspect of this fight that Morano is is going to have the advantage. And you have Cerrone who has fought. This is his last five fights. He fought Nico Price. Nico Price was landing bombs on him. Cerrone was able to stay in there. He fought Anthony Pettis. He fought Conor McGregor, Justin Gaethje, and then Tony Ferguson. So those are his last five fights. Those are the who's who. Those are all killers, and he was able to. In some of those, he got knocked out, out obviously. But man, he's fighting killers here. This is Donald Cerrone. He's fought the who's who. We don't even need to go through his, his entire resume. And then you have Alex Morano on the other side. He's just eighteen and seven. I don't think he's of of Donald Cerrone's caliber. I just feel like this is a winnable fight for Donald Cerrone. There has been whispers about Donald Cerrone retiring, like this being his last fight. I don't believe it. You know, it's Donald Cerrone. I think he's going to fight until the doctors or some you know someone tells him he can't fight anymore. I think he's going to fight until his his leg falls off. Um. So in this matchup, I got Donald Cerrone. Um, I think he I think he easily beats Alex Morano, and I think he definitely has a chance to go into a decision. Both these guys are tough. That's one thing I will give Alex Morano credit for. He is a tough fighter, and we already know about Donald Cerrone. So um, my pick is Donald Cerrone here to, to beat Alex
0: Morano. Yeah, I certainly can't fault you for that. I think if Cerrone comes in here and he fights to – kind of breaks out all his weapons that there's probably no way that he'll lose because he just has way too much, you know, in his arsenal. And then you have to figure the motivations there, Gene, too, for him to go ahead and, and finally get a win under his belt. It's just scary, you know. Um, it's just – it's it's tough to back a guy who, you know, has been in wars. And, and it's. I think more than anything for me, Gene, it's, it's the fact that he didn't get through, you know, Nico Price. That's the one that worries me. Like, I felt like he probably should have won that one. But this will be a good fight to watch. Let's jump over to the main event here, Gene. We got Rodriguez. She's going to go up against Waterson. Rodriguez is going to be minus 215. I feel like that's just way too high. Waterson 175. For me, Gene, I'm on the fence with this one. You know, after Rodriguez went ahead, took out Rebus and Esparza, it's like I don't want to fade her here. But I feel like if this one starts to get a little bit long, that Watterson's going to have the cardio to outlast Rodriguez, and this one could be this one could go Watterson's way. If I had to go ahead and make a pick, it would be Watterson, but for me, I don't want to fade Rodriguez here. So unfortunately, Gene, I'm gonna have to go ahead and pass the main event. I feel like that's the safest thing for me to do. I know there's a lot of people that are taking, you know, the big plus money here with Watterson. I don't I don't fault them for that. But I just I don't want to fade Rodriguez, you know, in this type of a in this type of a spot here. So for me, unfortunately, Gene, I'm gonna go ahead and pass. How you feeling about Rodriguez and Watterson?
1: So we we have a couple fights on on this card that we've already mentioned where the line's a bit questionable. Amanda Rebaz versus Angela Hill, Jeff Neal versus Neil Magny. These are kind of, you know, we feel like these these lines should be a little bit closer, given the fighter's previous fight. Here's a third one on, on the card. I completely agree with you. The reason why this fight for me, I'm I'm really questioning the odds, is because of the stylistic matchup here. The other two fights that I mentioned, there's not really a stylistic discrepancy in those two fights. You know, both of the both of the fighters pretty much do the same thing. One might do uh, one aspect. You know, One might be grapple a little bit more than the other one, but they're pretty much even fighters in the sense of skills. This one, yes, there is some evenness in, in some of the skills, but Michelle Watterson clearly has the advantage on the ground. Marina Rodriguez has clearly shown that she can be taken down and controlled. She's an amazing striker, Marina Rodriguez, on the feet. She should destroy Watterson on the feet. It should not even be really a contest in the sense of over a five round fight. Watterson will be able to hang early, but over the course of five rounds, I feel like Marina Rodriguez is striking on the feet is just is light years above Michelle Watterson's. But the one factor that has me worried here is like, man, if Michelle Watterson just in a five round fight, she just decides, Hey, I'm going to take her down and just control her. She can do that. Like that is the one thing with Marina Rodriguez as talented as she is. She just gets controlled on the ground. And we just, I spoke about earlier with the Amanda Rebos fight. Amanda Rebos won that first round and was controlling her on the ground. The second round, Marina Rodriguez ended up landing that that nice counter punch and, and getting Amanda Rebos out of there. There's no issues on the feet for Marina Rodriguez in this fight against Michelle Watterson. She should win the majority of the striking exchanges on the feet. But if somehow Michelle Watterson is able to take down Marina Rodriguez I worry about Marina Rodriguez getting controlled for multiple rounds. Um this fight it just lines up to be your classic striker versus grappler matchup, you know. And obviously Marina Rodriguez will look to keep this fight on the feet. Um she's a di- diverse volume striker and she has a Muay Thai background, so she lands vicious knees and elbows even if she's taken on the ground that's one factor I want to mention here. When, if she's taken, on, taken down on the ground, on the back, she lands vicious elbows from from the bottom. She cut up Carla Esparza really bad. I personally had Marina Rodriguez beating Carlos Esparza in that fight. It was a split decision win for Carla Esparza. But if you looked at the two fighters after the fight, you're like, man, Marina Rodriguez won that fight. Because Carla Esparza was cut up, beat up, swollen eye, bleeding all over the cage. But it was because... Carlos Sparza was able to take her down multiple times over the course of that fight, that she ended up eking out the the split decision victory there. So that's what worries me about this fight is Michelle Watterson could do the same thing as Carlos Sparza, take a ton of damage. I think she'll be able to stay on her feet. Over the course of five rounds, uh, more than Michelle Waterson's gonna like, and I think she'll she'll obviously win those striking exchanges, do enough damage and and eventually get her hand raised. I would not be surprised if Marina Rodriguez ends up um, finishing this fight inside the distance. Michelle Waterson, the one thing about her is she wears that damage, man when she takes a bunch of shots, her nose is broken, bleeding, swollen eyes, and that goes a long way in The judges' minds, I mean, that's damage, you know, that's one of the top two uh, factors or top two things that judges look at to determine who won the fight. So, um, Marina Rodriguez has legit knockout power on the feet, and I think she'll be able to do a ton of damage on Michelle Waterson as long as she stops the takedowns, she's gonna win this fight. Um, and so maybe at the end of this, you look at it, it's like, oh, the line is correct, she should have been a minus 200 favorite, but. Um, in the sense of skills and path to victory. Michelle Watterson has a clear path to victory here. And we'll see if Marina Rodriguez shored up that that deficiency in her game. She's coming in on short notice. Both of these fighters are coming in on short notice. This fight was just announced on Monday of this week. So um, it, it will be contested at 125. That's one thing I do want to mention. They're both straw weights, which is 115. This is actually going to be a 125. So I um, slight advantage to marina rodriguez who who has had issues with weight cutting in the past Um, and also uh, being 10 pounds heavier she already has power but now being 10 pounds heavier i think that's going to help her as well so long story short i got marina rodriguez here to win i'm going to stay away from it in the sense of a betting standpoint but i do have marina rodriguez winning this fight and man i you know, I might end up sprinkling sprinkling a little bit on her to to get the uh, the victory inside the distance. Well, I
0: certainly wouldn't go ahead and uh, and disagree with you on that one, there, Gene. You made a really good case, solid handicap uh, to go ahead and back that one. Well, that'll wrap up the pod, guys. We went through five fights for you, Gene, and I went ahead and we broke down uh, all the fights and all the th- wagers that we think are at least worth making for this one. Make sure you guys double back here. Check back when we do the UFC 262. We'll do that one next week. Uh, You guys know where to find me on Twitter, SleepyJay underscore pregame. You know where to find Gene, at meandGene0022. And And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck on UFC Fight Night. Enjoy the fights.